Sweeter than the morning or the sound of the rain From the mouth of the preacher in the center the same Tender as a whisper but loud in its refrain May it hang on my lips for the rest of my days There is something sorrow and the soul is given peace we sing it in the famine or in prosperity may we never forget is all that we need there is something about the name of Jesus it sounds like
Okay, if you have your Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 2 again, the story of the wise men visiting Jesus and his parents. It's probably the last week that we'll uh, deal with this story, and then we'll move on. Matthew chapter 2, we've read these verses before, 1 through 8. We'll read them again this morning. There's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements. You can like to use that. The title of the message is, Who Are You? We'll talk about the wise men, Herod, and then the chief priests and the scribes, those three different, different groups. If you're looking at your outline, if you've got a hard copy of that, this won't be on the screen, the whole thing, but if you've got a hard copy of that, it's actually just primarily going to deal with the chief priests and scribes, but uh, we're going to deal with all three. Okay, read carefully with me, Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 8. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, before in the past couple weeks, we drew attention to that, Herod the king, king of who? King of the Jews. Herod, king of the Jews, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Well, that's what Herod is, you know, that's what Herod, there's the problem right there. Herod's the king of the Jews, but the wise men came looking for Jesus, who they said he is the king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for Thus it is written by the prophet. And here comes a, a quotation from out of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod, when he had secretly, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Looking at your outline, the first one will deal with the, the wise men. Of course, Herod, if we dealt with the story, you know the story, had no intention whatsoever to, to worship Christ, but had all the young boys in, in the area killed because of this this thing so uh the wise men the wise men i warn you as the the this screen says i warn you uh jesus is not after a little of you but all of you he doesn't own something he owns everything okay in dealing with these three groups the wise men herod and the the chief priests and scribes the wise men are those who about a year, year and a half, part of what it took them to get to Bethlehem from wherever they were. They saw, saw the star. They, they go to see the king of the Jews. God has explained this to them. How, however, the Bible doesn't, doesn't say how. We, know, we just know that these men, whoever they were, they left everything to find Jesus. Okay, They left everything. So... They not only leave everything, but it takes them about a year to year and a half to find him to get to Bethlehem from wherever they were. Well, it's going to take about that long to get back home. They not only leave everything, but they leave everything for two or three years. 
They just drop whatever was going on in their life and they go to find Jesus. Okay. Well, obviously, of the three, that's who, you know, I'm going to say we need, we need to be like. There's nothing new there. It's that dropping everything to do what God called me to do, told me to do. Everything. They left everything to do this. Okay? I warn you, Jesus is not after a little of you, but all of you. All of you. I warn you. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking that kind of slow because I really want that to sink in. And I want this to explain itself to you. I want this to explain life to you. I want this to explain Christian life to you. I want you to read that for some of you, for some of you, and be able to say, oh, that's what he's doing. Okay, that's what he's doing. See, every Christian is going to say, well, he's, he's got me. He's, you know, he's got me. I'm his, he's mine, and I'm his. Right. But he doesn't have all of you yet. And if you think he does, then if the Lord gives you life, just wait a few years and you're going to find out, no, I really, he really didn't, you know. You're, you're going to find out that no matter where you're at, there's still a little bit of you, or maybe a lot of you, that you're holding back. Whatever that is. You know, I'm not going to go, what, whatever, it's just so different for all, all of us. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm warning you, that what a lot of this is all about with you and what's going on with you right now and what God is doing in you and through you and, and, and around you, I warn you that he's not after a little of you, but he's after all of you. And he doesn't have it yet. You haven't given it yet. You haven't turned over it yet. You haven't surrendered it yet because he doesn't own something. He owns everything. And it's that holding back that he's working out of you. It's that part of you that, that when, the, when, you see, when you see the star in the east, you know, I want you to follow that star, you don't do it. You, you hope, you've got, well, Lord, I've got, you know, I can't just leave everything. Right. You won't leave everything. Okay. You're just not there yet. And so that's what he's doing. But I warn you, in your Christianity, this will be an ongoing process. This will take, I suppose, the rest of your life. He's not after a little of you, but all of you. Now, thought about that this morning. I'm going to add a little bit this to it, explain this a little bit more. I think maybe sometimes if somebody read that or sees that or thinks about that, think, well, this is all a God ego thing. You know, he wants more of me so he can have more of me. It's got nothing to do with God not having enough. It's nothing to do with that. It's not, it's, it has nothing to do with God needing more. It's like this thought that's a wrong thought. Okay, somebody somewhere in a Sunday school class or God forbid a, a preacher up here is going to say this sometime that, that God made you because he needs somebody to love him. Now, you know that's wrong, right? You know that's wrong. That, that God made man, 
I've, I've, I've even heard this. God made man because God is lonely. Okay, you know that's wrong, right? That has nothing to do with it. God does not need you to love him. God is not lonely without you. Love starts with God, not, not with you. He doesn't, the Bible says, in fact, God is love. It doesn't say that we know that God loves, but that's not what it says. It says God is love. It's not that he has love. It doesn't say that. It says he is love. He doesn't need more love. He loves you. He's giving away love. Now, well, then why, why does God want us to love him if he doesn't need love? It's for you. Loving God is for you. Let me put it to you this way. So the wise men see the star. They drop everything. I don't know how many men there were, but there's this troop of men going, going along this trip that takes a year to a year and a half, if you can imagine that. So they walk. They ride, a, they ride a camel. You know, well, it's got it's to be a camel because all the nativity scenes say so, so you know it's a camel. And then so they're, they're doing all that, and they've left home. They left everything a year and a half to get there, another year and a half to go back. I think... If I put myself in the wise men's shoes, you've been through things. You've, you've done things. I think they'll look back on that. That's the best thing I ever did. That was the best trip I ever took. I suspect, it, well, it doesn't, it does, it's not hard for me to imagine this at all. When they finally get home uh, after two to three years, they finally get back home. There's no doubt they're, they're glad to be home. But they get back home, and now they've got to go back to the way it used to be. They've got to go back to their everyday life. They've been on one of the greatest adventures of their life. I mean, I mean everybody that ever reads the Bible from, from that time on is going to read about their, their adventure. They got, to be, they got to be a part of that. There has to be part of them when, when they get home and, and you know, go back to the routine of, of everyday life. Like, oh. Then when they get together on their, on their wise men reunion show, you know, and they, and they start to talk about, man, do you remember when we did that? Do you remember when we did that? Do you remember that? That trek, you remember that? You know, it, was, it was hard to do. It took everything they had, but it's the best thing they ever did. That's it. That's exactly it. See, we're afraid, and you, you will be afraid. Uh, I'm not the only one. If I do that, if I do what I believe the Holy Spirit's asked me to do, if, if, if I give up that, if I give up my time, if I, I'm going to lose that. No, you're not. You're going to gain. It seems like you're losing. But I'm giving. Yeah, but you're going to gain so much more. And those adventures that God's going to lead you on, if you'll give up, if you'll surrender, 
Those, those adventures he's going he's to lead you on is going to be the best time of your life. And you're going to go on the reunion show and you're going to look back at that thing. Man, that was the, that time I surrendered. That time I gave up. That time I, I left it all. And I, I, just, I just quit worrying about what everybody else thought. I quit worrying about what, what I thought. And I just said, I just said, Jesus, here I am. You, you can have everything I've got. You can have everything I am. And he started leading me on adventure. That was the best time of my life. I remember speaking with an older man one time, and he was in his last years. And he'd gotten mad. He'd gotten mad at somebody in church, and somebody at church had gotten mad at him. And, and he just quit. And he told me through tears, he said, those times when I was serving the Lord, those years, it was the best time of my life. Yeah. This isn't about, he doesn't, God doesn't want your stuff because your stuff is his stuff. He doesn't need more stuff. He's not after your stuff. He's not, he's a, he doesn't need your time. His, your time is his time. This is for you. The best time of your life. Those, those times that you surrender and just say, Lord, here I am. All right. There's the, there's the wise men. It's all about the, they had the best time, but they happened to be the ones who gave up the most. Herod, next one. Who is really the king in my life? This is just kind of a continuation of what I've already said. Now, when I thought about Herod, I thought, I'm just not even going to deal with him. I mean, the, the, the man is crazy. He's insane. He's a madman. He's 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 monster. Uh, he thinks he's the king of the Jews. He hears that there's another one and he's going to kill all these children because he hears that there's another child who might be the king of the Jews. He's a madman. I know you're not that. Okay, I know that. So that's why I almost skipped over. But if you can take that thought and notch it way, way down like I can for me, I can kind of see it a little bit yet then. If I ratchet it way back, no, I'm not like Herod. I'm not going to do what he did. I'm not crazy like that. But who is really the king of my life? It, this is a continuation. It's a struggle because you're going to come up against this. Who's in charge? So the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you begins to draw you. I could say that about 10 different ways. But the Holy Spirit begins to work on you and draw you and begin to speak to you about doing some things, about stretching out there, reach, reaching out there, uh, thinking outside the box, stepping outside the box. Begins to talk to you about doing some different things with your life, giving some things away. I'm going to do this right now. I, did, I was going to share this story a couple weeks ago. Uh, didn't seem right. I'm going to do it now. I was watching a testimony by uh, Francis Chan. I don't really know him very well, but I've only seen him speak once or twice. But I was watching a testimony by Francis Chan. He was a pastor in Southern California. He said, in the testimony, he said, uh, I believe God told me, and I know, got to be careful by saying that, and I, I try to be, but God told me. 
God dealt with me. God spoke to me. said, I want you to give away $50,000. I want you to give $50,000 away. So Francis Chan said, well, all right, I'll I'll do it, Lord. But I only make $36,000 a year. How how am I going to do that? But he said, how are you going to do that? Only make $36,000 a year. And he was pastoring a church that I could ask the church for more. But even if I give all my salary away, it's still not enough. How am I going to do it? But he said, I, I told the Lord that I would do it. That I would do it. He didn't tell me how. He said, I, his testimony, he said, it's a recorded fact. At the end of the year, I gave $50,000 away. And, and he, you know, I'm not going to give you the specifics. They are there. He said, it just blew my mind. But I gave $50,000 away. And so one night at the end of the year, the Lord said, now, <laughs> next year, 100000 I want you to give 100000 away. And Francis Chan said, Lord, you know, I didn't get a raise at church, Okay. I make thirty-six thousand a year. How? But I'm 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 going to do it. I'm going to do it. By the end of the year, he had up. He gave a hundred thousand away. Didn't didn't get a raise at church. So he's waiting at the end of the year, waiting for you know what's next. Sure sure enough, the Lord said, "Now I want you to give a million away and Chan said you know Lord you know how much I make right <laughs> I make 36000 a year I want you to give a million away Francis Chan said I, I, you know what, uh, <laughs> what how on I, but I'm going to trust you well he did, he did not expect this he wrote a book <laughs> about giving 50000 away and then the next year, 100000 away. And the book started to sell. And the, uh, what do you call it when you get the money from the book? The royalties from the book was how much? A million. Gave it away. Crazy. But a recorded fact. It is crazy what God can do with you when you say Yes. You. It's crazy what God can do with you when you say yes. Who is really the king of your life? You see, uh, when the king comes to you, the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you, about stepping out, stepping outside the box, giving away $50,000. When the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you about these crazy things and you say no, who's the king of your life? You are. You are. So this morning I'm talking to you about surrendering. About not being the king of your life. And he's going to maybe, maybe not, but maybe, he's going to ask you to do just some of the craziest things. Okay, now, let's move on. Chief priest and scribe. This is the one I actually thought I would spend, this is what really got me going. 
I don't know if you've ever caught this in the story. I've, I've seen this for a while, just haven't preached it. So the wise men, the, the chief priests and scribes, these are the religious people. They know the Bible. They know it. That's why they are asked, what does the Bible say? Where will this king be born? Where will the Messiah be born? And so Herod and the wise men go to the chief priests and scribes, the, the Bible students. Where will he be born at? And they know the answer. They know what Micah chapter 5 verse, verse 2 says. And I get the impression, I get the feeling when I read that, that, that they knew the answer right, right away. Like, we already, we've, we've studied it, we already know. Have you ever seen this in this story? Where these Bible students, they know the answer. This is where the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Herod comes to him. He's never done this before. These wise men have traveled a year to year and a half, and they know that, and they come to him. I mean, there's an entourage show up at the door of the Bible school. Where will the king be born? This is a big deal. This hasn't happened before. It's never happened. And that lets the chief priests and the scribes know that there's a real good chance the Messiah has been born. There actually is one. And we know where he's at. Does it strike you as odd that the wise men go and find Jesus, but the, the chief priests and the scribes don't? They know, they just have a good strong suspicion that the Messiah that we've been waiting for all these years has been born. And we know where that place is, but we don't go. We don't, we don't go there. We just stay at home. That strikes me as really odd. They know what the Bible says, but they don't do it. What's happened to them? This really isn't about the, the chief priests and scribes, though, is it? It's about us. A religion that no longer moves you. When the Holy Spirit comes to you, and says, I want you to give $50,000 away, you say, no. It can't be done. I'm not doing it. No. What would my wife say? What would my children say? I'm not doing that. No. A religion that no longer moves you. You're content to watch the wise men seek Jesus while you're not. It's a Bible study. It's become Bible study that's heartless. It's all mind. I know the answer. I know what John 3.16 says. I know the answer. In your mind. In your head. Your Bible's smart. But you're, no, but you're not letting God be king. You know what the Bible says. You know where the king will be born. But it no longer moves you. Beware of a religion, even Christianity, that no longer moves you. You want to move out of your seat, but you don't. You want to come up and pray, but you won't. You want to, and then next week it's just easier not to. And then, and I'm just using that as an example, that's not the end all. And then week after week it just becomes so easy to not do it. It just becomes so easy to watch other people respond. Other people move. Other people do the work. 
Other people get to have fun. Other people get to go on an adventure. But you don't. It's not that you can't. It's that you won't. Well, I can't. No, it's not that you can't. It's that you've gotten to the place that you won't. That's really sad to me. I don't know which, I'm not sure which is worse. I really don't. I'm not sure which, I'm not sure that Herod, chief priest of wise men, the chief priests and scribes, I'm not sure which one. I think this one is actually more disappointing. Because they know better. They know better. But they've lost their heart. They've lost that heart that moves them. Christianity has become a, a mental thing, a religion that no longer moves you. You're content to watch the wise men seek Jesus while you're not and while you won't. I'm going to use an analogy, you know, talk about love. Love is, not, it, love is so much more than an emotion. I get that very much. Love is so much more than an emotion. I love my wife. Dee Dee loves me, and I'll do it this way. She loves me, but she doesn't feel that every day, I guarantee you. We've been married a long time. That's just the way love is. We love each other very deeply. Do we always feel deeply in love? No. Nobody does. So love is more than an emotion, but. Christianity is more than an emotion, but. Do any of you want a love affair without the emotion? Do any of you, we all know that love is more than emotion, but do any of you want love without it? No. I want to feel love for her. There's going to be days that I don't. I don't just fall out of love just because of that, because I know it's going to come back again, but it does come back again. So, I realize love is more than emotion, but emotion is part of it. It's kind of the heart part of it. We fall deeply in love. Be careful when your Christianity becomes all about your head and you begin losing it in your heart, feeling it. Be, be careful when you keep saying no to the Holy Spirit. And it gets easier and easier to say no. And then it almost gets to the point where he stops asking. Here's the thing. It's not everything revolves around this. But when's the last time you felt the Holy Spirit moving you? And asking you? And drawing you? If it's been a long, long time... That needs to be a red flag. That needs to be a red flag. And maybe it's been so long because you said no so often. And I'm not going to bank everything on that. But there is something to that. As the Holy Spirit moves in us and speaks to us and draws us, we need to let him be the king of our life. It's just so sad to sit and watch other people enjoy the Lord and we don't. I'm going, to, I'm going to change that. I'm, I'm going to change that. I'm going to let Jesus be the king of my life. 
I'm going to ask, I think we're just going to have a guitar play this morning. And uh, this is going to be our prayer time. And I will ask you to stand with us, please. As the Holy Spirit moves around us, as the Holy Spirit right now is around you, and as the Holy Spirit right now is in you, I don't know what he's saying. It's strictly between you and him. What is he saying to you? What has he been saying to you? What's God doing right now? I warn you, I warn you, he's not after a little of you. He's after all of you. That's what this is about. It really is. You mean, that's what God's, yeah, that's what God's been doing. He's not after a little of you. He's after all of you. What could it be that you're holding back? What could it be that you're, you're, uh, pausing on too much you're, you're, you're holding back what could it be this prayer time is about spending time with the Lord and just speaking to him telling him that you love him and that your life is open here I am Lord here I am use me for whatever you want to use me for I've been holding back maybe a little bit maybe a lot but God, this morning, I'm, this morning I'm coming to give myself to you again. This morning I'm coming to give myself to you again. To say to you, Lord, I'm willing to be used however you want to use me. But I really want you to use me. Lord, I really want you to use me. If you want to come and pray, if you want to come and pray while the guitar plays, uh, you let the Holy Spirit draw you. Come and pray.